Good evening. Again, good to see all of you out this evening. Exodus chapter 14 tonight. Hard to believe we are at the end of this year for our Wednesday night services. Don't forget, uh, speaking of that, that again, the 21st and the 28th we have off, but we're coming back on Wednesday, January the 4th. Also, don't forget there will be no services on Christmas Day, but on Christmas Eve, we have our Christmas Eve candlelight service at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. And then New Year's Day, the next Sunday, January the 1st, instead of two services at 9 and 11, we just have one at 10 o'clock. Also, for any of you that are youth parents, my son wanted me to remind all of you that they are having a New Year's Eve youth fellowship here at the church uh, that evening and that they will ring in the new year together and then uh, one or both parents can come pick them up at midnight. You can stay up that long. As we saw last week, God brings us out of bondage to bring us in to blessing. And so he wanted the Israelites to trust him that his plan and purpose for them was far from over. And he had a very strategic reason for why he was leading them the way he was and why he was leading them where he was. You and I need to trust God to do that as well. There's a strategic reason, a specific purpose. God is very purposeful of why he's leading us the way he is with the people he's leading us with, and where he's leading us to. Very, very purposeful in that. And he's always leading us into his blessing. So notice in chapter 14, as we begin talking about and hopefully being encouraged in trusting the Lord, that again the Lord was speaking to Moses. A phrase again you will see three times in this chapter. In verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, The beginning of verse 26, the Lord said to Moses, God guided Moses and directed him every step of the way as he led his people. He never had to question what God wanted and where God wanted and all of that. God gave him very clear direction, and God will give us very clear direction. In fact, he placed his Holy Spirit within each of us so that we have a constant director, a constant light, a constant guide in our life. But notice something very interesting back in verse 2. God tells Moses, I don't want what I'm about to say just between you and me. I want you to tell the Israelites. And we've said, There's times where God speaks to us and it's just between us and God. There's other times where God speaks to us and he wants us to share it with someone else or with others. And God will usually be very specific about that. I want you to just share this with so-and-so or I want you to share it with the general audience. Here it's all the Israelites. And he tells them that he wants them to camp by the sea. So he's setting them up right there at the edge of the Red Sea. Then notice what God says to Moses. Pharaoh will think regarding the Israelites, they are wandering around, confused in the land. The desert has closed in on them. 
I hope this will be an encouragement to you. God knows what we think and how we think. He knows that not just for those who follow him. He knows that even about his own enemies. He knows not only what Pharaoh is going to think, he knows how Pharaoh thinks. That means that God knows how the devil thinks and what the devil's going to think before he thinks it. That means every enemy that you and I will ever face, God knows what they'll think and how they think. He knows that about everyone, including our enemies. That should be an encouragement to us. That means that the way God leads us and where he leads us, he's always taking into account even what our enemies are thinking and how they're thinking and what he wants to accomplish in his people. Which is why, notice, because Pharaoh is not a person of faith, he is misinterpreting and going to misinterpret the movements of God's people. He's going to say, ah, the reason they're where they are, that they look perplexed and disoriented and all that, and they're really not. They're being led by God. They're exactly where God wants them, but that's not what he thinks. He's misinterpreting something. And, and I think there's a lesson in there for you and I, because later on we're going to see that the Israelites get pretty perplexed and upset, thinking that somehow God has, has brought them to the brink of destruction because they're misinterpreting his movements and how he's moving them, and where he's moving them. And you and I have to be careful of the same thing, both in interpreting the movements of other people and interpreting the movements that God is causing in our own life. You know, many times we may think, God, why did you lead me here, right? And we're just like the Israelites, you see? God is always going to lead us to blessing. God may have a lesson for us to learn here. God may want to destroy our enemies right there, and he needs us to be there in order to do it, to draw them out. There are so many reasons, way beyond our pay grade, that we can't figure it all out. So that's why God says, trust me. I know how you think. I know what you're thinking. And so God designs it all and keeps all of that in mind as he's planning and purposing. Notice verse 4. God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them, and I will gain honor because of Pharaoh and because of all his army. And the Egyptians will know, not just the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me talk for a, just a brief moment again about God hardening the heart of Pharaoh. I think in this series on Exodus, I have been asked more about that than anything else by a long shot. Just people struggling with understanding how God can harden Pharaoh's heart and therefore how can God hold Pharaoh accountable and don't we have a free will and all of that? Listen, 
one thing you and I have to do when approaching the Word of God and, and trying to come up with an interpretation is wherever we're landing, it cannot contradict what we already know is the clear teaching of Scripture, okay? That's where you got to start. So if you know the Bible teaches that God has given us a free will, then you know you can't land your interpretation of this hardening of Pharaoh's heart as somehow God has taken free will out. You can't land there. That's contradictory. So you have to struggle through it and maybe give it more time before you land on an interpretation, and that's okay. Take your time to do it, but don't get to the place where somehow, like many do, they adopt an interpretation that is clearly contradicted by other scripture simply because they don't want to sit with it long enough and struggle with it through enough and maybe just give it more time before they can come up with something that is not contradictory. I'm going to give you one more illustration, and it's lame, I'm going to tell you, okay? <clears throat> but I hope that this may help in some way to sort of clear this up a little bit. Again, remember, based on the heels that God knows what we think and how we think. God knows our heart. So, first of all, the Bible told us that God didn't even start hardening Pharaoh's heart till after the sixth plague. Okay, remember that. It wasn't until the sixth plague that the Bible says that God began to harden. Well, that meant that Pharaoh's heart had already been hardened for five or six plagues, right? And so, as I've said before, it is a confirmation of where God knows Pharaoh wants to already go. So here's the lame illustration. <clears throat> God knows that Pharaoh is going to pick up a bowling ball. And he knows that Pharaoh has his sight set on a particular pin down at the end of the lane. Okay? He knows that's Pharaoh's desire. I want to knock down that pin. So when it says that God has hardened Pharaoh's heart, all that that means is that God is going to make sure that that bowling ball gets to knock down the pin that Pharaoh's heart desires to knock down. God's just going to help that along the way. He's not taking Pharaoh's free will away. He's actually helping Pharaoh get to the place where Pharaoh truly wants to get. All right, enough about Pharaoh's hard heart. Then notice verse 5. When it was reported to the king of Egypt that the people had fled for good, the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and the king and his servants said, what in the world have we done? We've released the people who've served us. What are we going to do without 600,000 slaves? Who's going to build our stuff? But the reality finally sank in. And I think the reason I added the words for good is everything that I've studied here, it's not like Pharaoh didn't understand what he was doing, but I think that in Pharaoh's mind, when he sought to release the people, I think he thought it was only going to be temporary. I think he thought that they would come back, and he's now, it's been reported, no, they're, they're gone, and they're gone for good. So notice, he prepared, verse 6, his chariots, took his army with him, 
In fact, he took his very best with him. Select chariots, select officers on all of them. He took the best of the best with him to hunt down the Israelites and exterminate them once and for all, which again, right? Evil doesn't make sense. So you're bemoaning the fact that you don't have these slaves anymore, but you're going to go out and slaughter them all. So you're still not going to have them, right? It's the way evil is. doesn't make any sense. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He chased after the Israelites, and the Israelites were going out defiantly. It meant they were going out of Egypt with their heads held high because that's the way God delivers his people. When he delivers us, we should hold our heads up high. We are the children of God. We are related to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we have been gloriously delivered, you see. The Egyptians didn't like that. They chased after them, and they finally caught up with them by the sea. When Pharaoh got closer, verse 10, the Israelites looked up. Now, here it is. How quickly we see in the book of Exodus. How quickly the Israelites went from being people of faith who believed and who trusted to people who were like, oh my goodness, the sky's falling, we're all going to die. They went downhill real quickly, which shows that they had faith, but it was a very shallow faith. It wasn't rooted, there was no depth to their faith, and God needed to build depth into their faith. Over and over again in the book of Exodus, it, it just took one little turn, and all of a sudden they were back down distrusting the Lord again. Again, God wants us to trust him not only after the fact, but before the fact. Before we see our Red Seas parted and our enemies destroyed, you see. And so they looked up, and there were the Egyptians, verse 10, marching after them, and they were terrified. They were shaking in their sandals. And the Israelites cried out to the Lord. And they said, Moses, is this because there are no graves in Egypt? You've taken us away to die in the desert. What in the world have, they, have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians. Notice this next phrase, because it is better for us to serve the Egyptians and to die in the desert. Wow. And notice something. They only see two possibilities. Sometimes like us. Here we are in a situation, and all we see is that it would have been better if God would have never done this or never done that, or the only other possibility is this is the end. Again, where's God in the equation? With God, there's always multiple possibilities. There's supernatural possibilities. There's possibilities that we don't even see, that we don't even know about with our God. So we should never conclude that we are at a loss, like, well, it's got to be this way or that way. No. With God, there's always another way. And God wants to expand our faith to be able to trust him that there's more than just this or that. So often we get into a trial and all we see is, well, it's either going to be this or it's going to be that. No, not necessarily. 
Maybe it's going to be something else. So I love this. Moses said to the people, do not fear. Because again, fear and faith are mutually exclusive. We're either being moved by fear or we're being moved by faith. And then I'm just giving you the original language here. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The next words in the Net Bible translation is stand firm, but in the original Hebrew, it's shut up. <laughs> Moses says to the people, shut up and see the salvation of the Lord that he will provide for you today. Stop your griping and your complaining and your, oh, woe is me, and see the salvation of the Lord. Open your eyes with expectation to what God can do and to the possibilities there are with God, and they're endless. That's faith. That's trusting the Lord. Every day, God wants us to wake up and to live, opening our eyes to the expectations and to the possibilities with our God. Do not limit him. Do not make him small. Do not put him in a box. Be quiet and open our eyes with expectation to the deliverance and the victory that only the Lord can bring. For the Egyptians that you see today, you will never, ever see again. He's once and for all going to separate his people from the presence of the Egyptians. That's not all. Notice in verse 30, the Lord saved Israel on that day from the power of the Egyptians. Doesn't that remind you of our own salvation? God, through Jesus Christ, saves us from the penalty of sin, eternal death. He is saving us through our Christian life from the very power of sin. And one day he will save us from the very presence of sin. That's how he delivers. And he's doing the same thing from releasing his people from bondage in Egypt. You won't see these people anymore. They will not be a drag on you. You see, part of the reason why God wanted the Egyptians to chase them and for them finally to be destroyed as an army was because he knew that if they weren't destroyed, they were always going to be a thorn in the side of the Israelites. Maybe not even physically, but emotionally and mentally, there was always going to be in the Israelites' minds what about those Egyptians? What if they come after us? What if this? What if that? And that's why when God delivers, he wants us to totally be delivered from whatever is, has got us all you know, bound up so that we can move forward in freedom and not have that thing continue to sort of drag on us. He wants to completely cut off whatever that influence is and completely free his people. That's the kind of deliverance that God brings. And then I love verse 14. 
the Lord will fight for you. Literally, again, in the Hebrew, the Lord will be a warrior and prevail for you so that you can stand and be still, be quiet, be at rest, because God is your warrior and he's going to fight your battles. Whew. Don't ever forget that. In fact, look over in chapter 15 real quick at verse 3. A verse we're going to be looking at in several weeks when we come back at the end, after the first of the year. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Don't ever forget that. The Lord is always willing to fight our battles. And because he's the Lord, as the warrior, he will always prevail. There is no enemy. There's no evil. There's no power. There's nothing that can prevail over the Lord. He will always bring victory to his people. If you want to add another great verse, Zephaniah 3.17, about the Lord being a warrior for his people. Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 15, back in chapter 14, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to keep moving forward. I want them to just go as far as they can up against that ocean. Right? Sometimes we're that way. Like, God, you're crazy, right? You're, you're leading me to the brink of an ocean when you know there's a huge army that's chasing us. We, we don't have a way out, God. Why are you doing this? Why are you leading us this way? Because again, God may want to show us something of himself. <laughs> and the only way he can do that is to get us to a place where all we have is God. And to see that God can go way beyond what we could ever imagine or ever think. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And as for you, Moses, verse 16, lift up your staff, extend your hand toward or in the direction of the sea and divide it, and my people will go through the middle of the sea on dry ground. There's that word through again. Make sure you... Mark that word through. Again, God wants his people to be a through people. Not a people who avoid something. Not a people that go around things. But a people that learn with him that we can cut right through even the most difficult things in life because the Lord is our warrior and he's going to fight for us and get us through. We become stronger when we go through things rather than avoid them or go around them. In fact, something that I was reminded of the other day, I was watching a show on uh, you know, agriculture and whatnot, and they had a, a person there that was an expert on trees. And he said, one thing that you know about trees is that the faster a tree grows, the weaker it is. Trees that grow slow and steady end up being the stronger trees. So that's why, you know, you see even some people in their life and some Christians say, man, achoo, 
and it's like, grow, 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 and it's like they're on fire and whatever, and it's like, man, they're like a rocket ship, right? Yeah, but be careful, because fast growth only doesn't provide the sustaining strength that you need. You need that slow and steady growth over a long time. It is the cumulative effect of us walking with God every day that gives us the strength that we need. Not the quick fixes of the world, not the, you know, easy things that we can just do quickly and get from point A to point Z spiritually. It never works. It's just one step at a time with Jesus every day. Then I love verse 19. The Jesus of the Old Testament, the angel of God. And the reason we know that this is Jesus is back in 1321, he is identified as the Lord who is going before them as the pillar of cloud and as the fire. The angel of God who was going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. He came between the Egyptian camp and the Israelite camp. He, the angel of God, the Lord Jesus Christ of the Old Testament, he was their wall of protection, just like he is for us. He will stand between us and whatever is threatening us. That's why the Egyptians could not come near the camp the whole night because he was protecting them as the angel of God. Moses, verse 21, stretched out his hand toward the sea and the Lord literally, this is what it says in the original, he walked the sea backwards. God walked, this, God basically comes into the midst of the Red Sea and said, come here. Yeah, sort of like a, a master to their dog. Here, come here. And there goes the sea. Amazing God. And can I say, we, we look at something like the parting of an ocean and go, wow, that's nothing to God. That's, that's like him, you know, taking his fingernail or something. And, you know, it, it's no power at all. He's amazing. And he made the sea into dry land. So it wasn't just the parting of the sea. It was, can you imagine how hard it would have been for them to take all their stuff and wagons and all of that across this mud pit? No. God did multiple miracles at the same time. He not only divided the sea, he then made the seabed bedrock so that they had completely dry, firm ground to walk across. See, God takes care of all the details. While you and I are sitting there on the side of the ocean going, well, God, what, what, what if we didn't? God's like, I just trust. Trust me for everything and every step of the way. So verse 22, the Israelites went through the middle of the sea on dry ground, the water forming a wall of protection for them on their right and left. Even the wall of water on both sides was a wall of protection for the Israelites. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine what that was like. I mean, forget the Ten Commandments, as much as I like the movie, for, you know, 
the reality of it is I cannot imagine a human being walking through an ocean and seeing the ocean piled up on both sides of my, myself as I'm walking across on dry ground. I, what that would have been like. The Egyptians chased after them right into the middle of the sea. And in the morning watch, verse 24, the Lord looked down from on high to the Egyptian army. It's like he, the language is like he just sort of pulled the veil back and just peered at that Egyptian army. It's a great picture being reminded, who's on the throne of the universe? Not Pharaoh, not the Egyptian army. They, they may be daunting and intimidating down here on earth, but the Lord of glory, he has to sort of just bend over and look down from his throne on high and sees that puny little Egyptian army down there, and they're nothing to him. And that's where we have to get a big view of God and remember who he is and where he is and to keep putting him in our worship in his rightful place so that all these things that seem so big and daunting him and intimidating and overwhelming down here are nothing compared to him. He's the Lord on high who rules the universe from his throne in glory. Notice also it says he threw the Egyptian army into a panic. God can even play psychological warfare with his enemies if he wants to. He jammed the wheels of the chariots, verse 25, so that they couldn't even drive them properly. Till finally the Egyptians said, Let us, let's flee because the Lord is a warrior who fights for them. I hope we remember that. The Lord fights for you. He is a warrior for you. He is leading you out of bondage and into blessing. And though many times where he's leading us and how he's leading us makes no sense to us, God is saying, trust me. Trust me every step of the way. I know how you think. I know how your enemies think. I know what you're thinking. I've got every detail down. I can do physical warfare. I can do psychological warfare. You name it, I'm the ruler of the universe on high in heaven, and I've got you, trust me, even when it seems like I've backed you up and there's no way out. The Lord said to Moses, extend your hand toward the sea and watch the waters flow back on the Egyptians. So Moses extended his hand. The Egyptians were trying to flee, but it says, the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the middle of the sea, verse 27. And I love this, again, in the original language. The word overthrew is a word that is used by the Hebrews to speak of the roaring of a lion. Moses is saying, our God roared and threw off the Egyptians. Sort of just brushed them off because he's the lion. The water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that was coming after the Israelites into the sea. Not so much as one of them survived. But notice, by God's grace, the Israelites walked on dry ground in the middle of the sea, the waters again forming a wall of protection of them on their right and on their left. God is on your right hand. He's on your left hand. He's behind you. He's beside you. He's in front of you. He's on all sides of you. You're good. You're good. 
So the Lord saved, delivered, rescued Israel that day from, again, the power of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the shore of the sea. Then notice this. What a difference between verse 31 and verse 10. When the Israelites saw what they saw in verse 10, their seeing led to fear. Here, their seeing leads to faith. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord had exercised over the Egyptians, they feared the Lord. They respected and revered him more than they ever had, and they were assured in the leadership of the Lord and of his servant Moses. In fact, this one event sort of solidified in all of Israel's minds that Moses was God's man. It's not that they didn't complain and gripe to Moses anymore, but that from this day forward, they knew Moses was our leader. Moses was our leader. Now I want to stop for a moment. I've got a couple minutes left. God wants all of us to be leaders to some degree. So I want to talk to all of us, but all of you can take this however the Spirit is presenting it to you. As leaders, I hope that we gain a lot of insight and encouragement from looking at a man like Moses, who clearly was a leader and the leader that God wanted. And yet, when you really understand what Moses went through as that leader, you come to understand that there was so much that Moses had already done to lead the people that really wasn't quite acknowledged or recognized yet. He spent years gaining that trust and gaining that support. And even after he had it and he was recognized as the leader, that did not stop for years to come. The griping, the complaining, the murmuring, the discontent of the people that he was leading. Being a leader, even a spiritual leader, is not always easy. Sometimes you're leading a group of people that just hard to get to follow, hard to get to buy into your leadership, hard, hard to get in to recognize and acknowledge your leadership. And even after they do, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Because guess what? Because you're the leader, they're going to direct everything at you. Every complaint, every gripe, every criticism, it's all going to come to you because you're the leader. So it's all going to fall at our feet. So that's why I say, first of all, being a Christian is not for the faint of heart, and being a Christian who is a leader in God's kingdom is not for the faint of heart. It takes strong people to be leaders in God's kingdom, and that's the kind of people God is building here. God wants us to be even stronger than we are. And one of the ways that we grow stronger is by trusting the Lord. Trusting him before we see it. And trusting him even as we see things that seemingly 
are stacked all against us. All the cards, every circumstance out there, it's all against us. That was the Israelites. Greatest army of the world is pursuing us. And the only thing in our back is an ocean that we can't navigate. We are dead to rights right here. And God wanted to teach his people, there's always another option with me. There are always endless possibilities with me. Don't ever get to a place in your life, and I'm talking to all of us now, to me included, that we must never get to a place in our life where we have been presented with something, whatever it is, and feel like, I'm at a loss. We are never at a loss as God's people. We are never at a loss with our God. Even if we don't know what to do, he does. So let's pray to him. Let's ask him. He'll know what to do because he's never at a loss. He is always the answer. And that's why he wants to teach us and train us to trust him completely in everything in this life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that, Lord, again, using a story that we're very familiar with, and yet, Lord, it, it can be new to us. We can see new things. We can be renewed in your truth. And Lord, we pray tonight that we've been encouraged to trust you. Lord, may we leave here tonight mindful of those worship songs that we've sung tonight. May we continue to sing them in the days ahead. May we be mindful of those words that we've sung. And Lord, may they be an encouragement to us as we might face trials and challenges and opposition in our life. And Lord, may we just get such a beautiful and big picture of you, God. May we never reduce you, God, to our size. May we allow you to be great and grand and beyond, Lord, what we could ever imagine. May we realize, God, that you're never at a loss and there's always possibilities with you. Just as we were reminded about in Exodus 14 tonight. So God, may we trust you. And for those right now, Lord, that's facing a situation where they need to trust you, I pray that tonight was a time where that trust in you was solidified and strengthened. May they leave here tonight or shut off their TVs at home tonight, being reminded that you, God, are a warrior who will fight and prevail for your people. And may we be encouraged by that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next year.